0: Welcome to another episode of the Mindset Athlete Podcast with me, James Roberts, transformational coach, two-time Paralympian, and TEDx speaker. I have another awesome episode for you today, so let's get straight into it. This is the Mindset Athlete Podcast, and I'm your host, James Roberts. And on today's show, I've got Brian Bell. Brian lost his leg at the age of 10 due to a train accident. After finishing his rehabilitation, he wanted to get back to playing his favorite sports basketball and football. He played middle school football on his prosthetic until it became too strenuous. So his mother discovered the Lakeshore Foundation, a US Olympic and Paralympic training site in Birmingham, Alabama, where he fell in love with the sport of wheelchair basketball. I think after attending sport camps for children with disabilities at the age of 12. Brian has gone on to represent Team USA at two Paralympics, Rio bringing home the gold and then again most recently in tokyo 2020 as of last year bringing home a second gold medal and he's also a two-time silver medalist at the world champs so welcome on to the show brian oh uh, thank you for having me james appreciate it the pleasure is all mine so if we go back to the very beginning what was some of the adversity that you 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 faced mentally Having having lost the leg at at, at such a young age, uh, it's the kind of general and standard thing you go with.
1: You know, you, after it happens, you wake up in the hospital, um, kind of not really realizing what happened. Kind of thinking that it all was a dream. The things that you kind of uh, remember happening, um, happening, uh, but then you realize that yeah, it it wasn't a dream. It happened. You lost your leg. Um, in that moment or in that short period, you kind of, um, you know, think about all the things that you might not be able to have the chance to do because you, you know, have you lost your leg. Uh, maybe you won't be able to walk again. You think of all the kind of negative things um, right after you realize that this traumatic accident happened. Uh, but I was fortunate enough when I was in the hospital, um, having the people there at the children's hospital, my mom, my friends visiting me. Uh, a lot of people supporting me, uh, making sure that my life isn't over, um, just because I lost my leg and there's plenty of opportunities uh, to kind of get back up, walk, even run, and do even activities on a prosthetic um, if I put the work into it. so it's kind of my kind of mindset after it all happened uh, was to try to get back to more of a normalcy of uh, of a kid, you know growing up and going back to school, hanging
0: out with friends, doing all the other kind of normal things. Do you feel a sense of um, fortunate and a little bit humbling to be, obviously, where you were brought up to have the Lakeshore Foundation to be on your doorstep? Oh, yeah, I was very fortunate, especially
1: kind of growing up in
0: I'm um, playing against other athletes or hearing stories
1: of uh, other um athletes having to travel, you know, hours, two hours, even um to another state to kind of play with a team um, because there wasn't any teams in their, you know, in the area or in the neighborhood. So I was very fortunate to be able to have a, a you know a location like that, literally right in my backyard, um 15-minute drive away. Um so I was definitely very fortunate. It's an awesome facility. Um, has plenty of stuff to do swimming pools weight rooms three or four courts all pretty much anything you needed to do in terms of you know trying to be an athlete they pretty much had it and I was able to have the access to that um, pretty much from middle school to on so
0: but having the the setback of not being able to play football after middle school was it was it love at first sight for you, that you fell in love with basketball then, or fell in love with a different kind of basketball, but obviously virtual basketball. Um, like you mentioned before, basketball,
1: football, growing up were kind of my my go-to sports. Especially football. Um, being in the South, football was kind of a big part of of growing up. Um, especially if you're a big Alabama fan. Um, they're kind of well, pretty much our professional team. Um, even though they're a collegiate team. Um, That's how much uh, kind of the fandom is down there. Uh, But I would say that it was kind of an easy transition just because I already had that strong love for basketball already. Um, And I I still do a lot of kind of able-bodied basketball, even after starting Wichita basketball. I just love basketball in general and I just love the sport. So that's it was kind of an easy transition from um, not
0: playing football, standing up to being in the chair and playing basketball sitting down. Gotcha. So I'm going to ask you a very difficult question now, Brian. OK, if we fast forward to your collegiate days, why do you pick the University of Illinois over obviously where you live uh, of mm-hmm. of uh, a pre- pretty, pretty, uh, pretty prestigious program as well in the mm-hmm. University of uh, Alabama's adaptive program? Was that a difficult mm-hmm. decision for you to make? It was very difficult. Um, you know, I was, like I said, I
1: was a big Alabama fan growing up. Um. So it was, it was difficult. Even my, um, my high school coach was actually the coach of the collegiate team at the time, too. So even just to say no to him was even more so a, of a struggle. Um, but I weighed a lot of pros and cons. Um, I knew a lot of guys coming out of the high school program that I played against that were going to U of I. Um, I didn't want to kind of be the main focal point in Alabama um, because there was kind of a new program. Uh, kind of wanted to go to a more of an established program. Um, And U of I was kind of basically the place where it all originated from. So there's a lot of history there. Um, The coach at the time was also the Canadian men's um, winter basketball coach who's won countless gold medals with the Canadian men's team. So I felt like it was a good um, kind of next step to kind of improve my game, to be able to make um, a USA national team in the future um, to kind of, step my game up to a, another elite level um, so I can be able to uh, play a sport at a high level.
0: Do you think the change in in, in in senior and change of environment helps as well? Because obviously you being Alabama native that would mm-hmm. be in your comfort zone so you think changing and uprooting thousands of miles away is something that maybe subconsciously you're not aware of but be it will obviously challenge you in so many different ways. Oh, it was definitely challenging. My, my best, definitely after my freshman
1: year, after realizing, you know, all the things I have to kind of juggle, basketball, school, um, you know, extracurricular activities away from those two things with friends, hanging out uh, and such, even trying to get a job and working and doing all that type of stuff. It was definitely a big juggling act and being so far away, you don't really have, you know, that ready support to help you out whenever um, you need a little bit of help or support. But I was able to kind of lean you know, on the friends there, I was able to lean on the kind of the support of the basketball community and the organization there um, to kind of help me through it. Um, I definitely struggled, of course, at times, um, you know, going to a big university, coming you know from such a small, smaller area, that was definitely a big adjustment. Um, I definitely had, a you know, made a lot of mistakes early on. Uh, you know, not maybe looking for a job right away and just kind of more reliant on scholarship money to kind of get me through and then not lasting as long and then all types of different, you know, hurdles. But, you know, you have to get those, those things to kind of learn from them. Um, so down the road, um, you can know about them. You can improve upon like, your decision making um, about certain things. So uh, looking back, I would not say I want to go through all that again, but it was definitely needed to go through all
0: that. Um, just so um, I know and it was more prepared for down the road. Did that give you or set you on the path to playing obviously overseas, which has pretty much been your your, your, your professional career to date? Because obviously you've you moved to Italy, pretty much coming straight out of college, having time mm-hmm. to then learn another language as well as that. How daunting was that?
1: It was definitely challenging. Um, the, the best way I looked at it was trying to find a easier transition. I I guess it would be the best kind of word to say for that. And that's by finding clubs that maybe people I know have gone to, um, like two of my collegiate teammates went to the club in Italy, um, that I went to before I went there. Um, so they're familiar with them. I asked them a ton of questions, um, I knew a lot of the guys from playing against them internationally, like Ian Sangar from GB team um, that was there. So I asked him a few questions about how the club was, and, you know, he spoke English as well. So it was its kind of – it wasn't as bad as I thought. It wasn't i going to complete Italian team. They only spoke Italian. They only did, you know, this. So it was kind of an easier transition than I thought it would be. It um, was definitely difficult at times um, because in Italy they don't speak as – you know, readily English as you think they would. Um, but it was definitely good because it helped me kind of learn the language a little bit more because I had to uh, while I was there. Uh, so, yeah, for for the most part, I would say it was kind of an easier transition than most.
0: Would you say that's some of the novelties of Wichita basketball? Because they're not in the big, for the majority, not in these big cities. So you're talking of the outskirts of, milan very much people are, are familiar mm-hmm. of it be for from a tur- touristic point of view but you're talking of uh from a visitor perspective obviously it's an amazing place to live living on the mm-hmm. lakes and things like that but mm-hmm. be it they're less likely to uh be uh, as fluent or as a native speaker as you and i are conversing and uh, mm-hmm. you mentioned ian I've listened to some of the interviews. You you would be you would you you would find it hard to believe that he's not an Italian speaker just by because he's I been know. because he's been there so long, you're thinking, well, yeah. even how he speaks in English has mm-hmm. a bit of an Italian accent. So it's kind exactly. of weird. Yeah. So what what was in the back of your mind to, to, to transition? Because pretty much you you you'd want it all in Italy. Mm-hmm. Was to move to Landil another ch- a different challenge then?
1: Yeah, it definitely was, Um,
0: especially
1: because Landil is kind of a, such a historic club. And then on top of that, Turquoise has, has always been kind of their close rivals, so they were all, all up and coming. Um, and I knew some of my USA guys were also looking to go to Germany, so I feel like it would be a very competitive um, step forward in my, my career is to go to a, a different spot to see if I can compete against, you know, even more competition um, to improve my game, to maybe accomplish a few more of my goals. Um, and yeah, for the most part, I thought it was a, a great decision. Um, it still has been a great decision
0: so far. And most people, when I when I read your intro, uh, Brian, they would probably say he's pretty much won everything at international level, he won everything at club level. What motivates you day in, day out then? Um, I think it's just the people around me. Uh, if I'm on a team, I'm gonna give it
1: my hundred percent, no matter what. Um, and that's the thing; like, I'm gonna do anything and everything, um, that's needed for my team to to potentially get the win. Um, if it's me, you know, being defense the whole way or diving in for other people so they can get more looks, um, that type of thing. Uh, just for the most part, I like you to try to make sure everyone's involved because. The way I was taught up playing basketball is that, you know, you're only as strong as your weakest link. So like if, you know, you have like a class one or someone else who's maybe not as well as a shooter, you know, class two, three, um, it's not performed well. So being able to put them in certain roles to maximize the effectiveness of the whole team in general, it was kind of my, my, my forte and my plan. So I, like what I like to do is just trying to make max, maximize the team in general even if I'm not scoring, you know, 20, 30, 40 points, as long as I'm like uh, playing well defensively and making sure I'm talking to everyone and making sure everyone's roles are covered um, during the field of play, we should ultimately get the win in the end. So,
0: I'm going to be harsh on you now. No That's worse. How can you have a weakest link in that team? Because most most of those individuals, international player caliber, mm-hmm players, Mm -hmm. do you look at it more from a game-by-game perspective of obviously everybody can't have a shoot the lights out every single day, every single night do you look at at it more of what can I bring specifically to give something more to the team or obviously negate, obviously the opposition
1: Um, I know going into it um, like I would say i go back before I, I made a national team. The biggest kind of feedback they told me is that I'm too small. I was like, well, yeah, I know that. I can't really do a thing about that. So my thing is that, well, then if I'm too small, then I'm just going to be fast at everyone. So they can't get to the spots that they can shoot over me from. Um, so that's kind of like my mindset after I missed the chance of making the London team was like, I'm just going to maximize on doing the, Smaller things that I can control to the best of my ability and then being able to translate over to a team aspect. So I focus really, really heavy on defense, Uh, being able to guard those, you know, four, four, fives that are really, really big. Love going inside, love shooting over, you know, the other guys. So being able to maximize my defense for the team, because ultimately, if you have a good defensive team, you should ultimately win the basketball game. So that was kind of my driving force. And then after that, I focused more on offensive aspect of things. Um, because if team needed me more offensively minded, then I'd be able to do it when they needed me to do it. So
0: I won't call you small at six foot one. <laughs> it's still pretty small compared to some of the other guys. Do, do you carry most of your height in your legs then? And is that, is that is that the issue? Because your torso is not as long as, say... Yeah, yes, yeah, exactly. Like, I don't have as long as the torso as some other guys.
1: Maybe, like, you know, Rodney Hawkins from Columbia or, like, a Pat Anderson from Canada. Like, I'm, I just don't have a long torso.
0: I think that's the misconception I had um, when I transitioned uh, after London to play, mm. obviously, domestic wheelchair basketball. People assume, Ah oh, James, you're going to be six... I'm, I'm shorter than you are but there's mm-hmm. that misconception that ah oh, you're tall yeah but I carry like you I'm t- mm-hmm. my, my my height is not useful in that sport because it's in my legs it would be all right yeah. if I was playing uh, a b basketball a, but, yeah exactly because I'd be I, I I I I can make up with long long limbs and that and that mm-hmm. so if we fast forward now to your international career. I had to think about who you actually lost to, and I know I know what the uh two thousand eighteen sorry world champions lost. What's the fourteen then?
1: Fourteen was lost to Australia.
0: I think by like five points or something like that. Um, in South Korea. So that I'm assuming still drives the American teams crazy because you you've <laughs> you've yeah. you've you've lost two world champs. But one mm-hmm. six this, the consecutive Paralympics, whereas everybody yeah. would want to win the Paralympics, and obviously, uh, mm-hmm. you, you, um, I watched uh, all you guys' Instagram over mm-hmm. the journey of uh, of the Tokyo Games, and obviously you 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 took a picture of of the wall mm-hmm. after the tournament, and your only blemish is obviously losing to the. To GB mm. in the group say which would irritate you guys no matter what? Mm. You would want a clean sweep. Yeah. So for that, from an insider perspective, Brian, mm-hmm. how would you paint a picture of Rio 2016 to Tokyo? Because they're completely obviously they're two mm-hmm. separate games, but what what what's what's it like having obviously a carnival atmosphere? Especially mm. having no crowd.
1: Yeah, it was crazy different. Um, fortunate enough that being being able to play overseas, I was able to kind of experience that a little bit with my club team. Not being able to have fans because London is known to have a very you know loud and forceful like fan base. So not being able to have them there at games, like you notice it like very easily. Um, so it was kind of a, it was easier. least transition for me once we got to Tokyo knowing that it won't be fans um but then some of the other guys they play domestically in the U.S. so and they normally don't get that many fans as it is anyway so I don't think it was too big of a deal for us um uh, but definitely a challenge because we love feeding off the crowd even if it's positive negative um definitely because Rio was amazing our opening game versus Brazil like it was so many people that it was crazy, like it just went, like you know, rooting against you um, the whole time. It was just such an amazing atmosphere to be a part in, um, and, and definitely very missed. Uh, but what can you do with the circumstances? Um, and we just kind of rolled with uh, what was going on, and we were still able to get the job done. So,
0: so that that having that disappointment, but having the kind of euphoric meteoric rise of a Japanese team. Do you think that was obviously we can't, we can't change the present that we're living in. Do you think that would have been another milestone to having the, obviously winning the government on in their backyard yeah. and obviously having a, a partisan crowd against you?
1: Oh yeah, that would have been amazing because I know they would have probably packed it like full of people. Um, and it would have been amazing I swear, to be in. Um, it was still, even with, um, I know the big thing they did was they had a bunch of the volunteers kind of sit in the crowd because they are already there um, anyway. So it kind of made it semi simulate a crowd being there, um, but still not to the same extent. But still having some people kind of hearing them a little bit in the background, cheering against you, cheering for you type of thing. So it wasn't completely dead, but again, still. Not the same. Uh but yeah, it would have been amazing if, if they would have had fans there, we we're not able to have fans there.
0: So what kind of mindset do you need to put yourself into irrespective of the Paralympics, even at, at club level? Because I think even, even now you 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 I think the most recent game you had no fans either. Mm-hmm. How do you get your arousal level or performance level to such an extent that to be able to perform so some people are going to struggle with not having um an external factor to be able to i don't want to say motivate them but to be able to mm-hmm. spark mm-hmm. their energy to be able to differentiate practice and a competitive uh, competitive game
1: mm-hmm. uh, i know leading into i will want to say probably after 2014 at the Worlds, I would say I started really heavily in like meditating and stuff. So being able to kind of get myself in this, the, the right mindset that I need to be in, on um, leading and going into games, um helped tremendously, especially with the focus part, Um, being able to focus on some of the smaller, detailed things um, that you can control. And then I was basically, keeping that mindset throughout all the way to now, being able to uh, only control the things or put in the kind of perspective, of the things that I control, make sure that they're in the right place in the right time, making sure that um, my energy level is up in terms of, did I have coffee? Did I have, you know, something enough to eat, like uh, nutrition for your body, uh, all those kind of things going into a game um, because if you haven't eaten anything or had any type of, you know, if you need a caffeine, if it's a late game, um, then you can kind of draw on, draw out a little bit and take your while to kind of ramp up a bit in the game and also kind of rely heavily on my defense to kind of bump me up a little bit more too um, because I don't know why, but I always get extraly motivated on defense. You can ask anyone that, that, like plays with me or you play against me, I just, I for some reason, just get more amped up on defense. I just want to stop the other, other team or the other person that I'm guarding um, so much. So I feel like that also helps with uh, me getting my energy level up as well.
0: Uh, curiosity, what position did you play in, in American football then?
1: American football, I was on defense.
0: So I, was, uh, I played
1: safety and a little bit and then I played special teams um, kickoff. Do you so think
0: might, do you think that might be why? It could be. It could be. It's a it's a good correlation for sure. Because ultimately you're the la- well, as a safety, you're the last yeah. line of defense. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned food. Mm-hmm. And this is probably this is probably a, it's not a misconception, but be it obviously I've been in that environment, food is not hard to come by once you make a paralympics. Mm. So how do you do the opposite to be able to kind of go, with all well and good, 24-7, food being on demand? I think it, for some people that would be absolute paradise. Yeah. But be it from a performance standpoint of it's win it all or, or pretty much it's been, been not a great tournament, mm. how do you keep yourself in that kind of frame of mind as i can't eat everything in sight Mm -hmm. yeah you just kind of kind of have like little
1: cheats so i know in our building that we have a nutritional hub so they have a bunch of different like quick snacks that you can have so that way you can eat those quick snacks rather than going to the cafeteria dining hall and like kind of pigging out almost because food is just so you know readily available 24 7 so being able to do that um, especially like after like a practice session that you don't necessarily need to you know, go eat a huge meal because it's kind of in between those times of like you just had breakfast, but it's also kind of too early for lunch. So having like quick little smaller meals throughout the day kind of helps kind of curb your appetite a little bit and kind of um, helps maintain kind of your energy level. And that way you're not, you know, picking out in certain sections and then being drowsy or sluggish later on down the road, especially on game days.
0: How close were your buildings to, to the food? Like either, either games, so let a say Rio, as opposed to say Tokyo in proximity to the, to the dining hall? Uh, I would say Rio was about, let me see if I can remember. Uh,
1: I would say walk, push, about. I will say like six, seven minutes. And then Tokyo, walk, push probably closer same, maybe like maybe a minute or two more um because our building was uh, all the way down the way it's a straight shot but it's a little bit further down the road from it
0: it's very easy to motivate people to 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 eat and and obviously when yeah. i know this uh mm-hmm. it's generally the the i'll, I'll call them developing countries as well world countries because that's quite offensive mm-hmm. would go to mcdonald's Mm-hmm. And people will find this very strange. They go to McDonald's to have a salad, and obviously, mm-hmm. salad the salad bars were readily. I don't know about Tokyo, but be it mm-hmm. uh, London and, and and Beijing that I went to, mm-hmm. you could get salad anywhere. Why Why do you necessarily have to go to McDonald's because it's free?
1: That That is a great
0: question. I know
1: in Rio we have McDonald's all the time. You know, just being American we pretty much went like every day maybe even twice a day but it's usually not that i order like a huge amount of food it's just certain things like I, I love breakfast food so like i always go get like a quick you know egg muffin or something um or some of the other guys will like a few chicken nuggets um type of thing but we normally don't like pick out pig out or i i got smoothies from there quite a bit because they, they did smoothies as well um doing rio So I think things like that. Also, like you said, some of the other countries who don't, who doesn't have those places readily available, you know, they might as well take advantage of the time, even if they are getting suffering that's at the cafeteria, um, they can still say, you know, you know, they went to McDonald's
0: every day or that many times while they're there. So it's a different perspective on it. But I would obviously say that for you, that might be home comfort in terms of what Mm -hmm. I'm able to, as close as I'm aware, replicate mm-hmm. something that is, okay, I know you're away from home at the moment, but mm-hmm. I'm able to have something that will be a, 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 a staple of most American diets. It'd be, mm-hmm. if it's not McDonald's, it'd be one of the other chains. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that being said, and this brings up an amazing, amazing story that I have, Okay. McDonald's have been the downfall of GB basketball years and years ago. Uh, oh, really? A number of them. Uh, th- this is back in China. They got mm-hmm. food poisoning from the oh, ice, wow. so it knocked. Okay. I don't know how many it knocked out of the the team. Mm-hmm. It only affected yeah. them in the prelims, but it's, so it's not that big a deal. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how many people they affected in Paralympics GB after. So you were kind of advised. Yeah, the staff could have it. Have a, a, a um, I think it was a, a, one of the, oh, um, does McDonald's call it ice coffees? Okay, so yeah. It was actually yeah. the ice that was a the problem. There was nothing wrong yeah. with actual mm-hmm. McDonald's. It said, but you would kind of go, well, you got to stay clear of it yeah. until you stop competing, and then if, if you want to be. <laughs> Having toilet issues after the fact it's not a big. It's not a big deal to the to the overall team because it's not going to affect your performance.
1: Yeah.
0: But obviously, that for them, uh, well, I I had the fortune to to see both uh, the bronze medal game and and, and the gold medal match um, mm-hmm. from a spectator perspective. So that was I I've played at domestic level, but I've also seen the best up close and and, and as close as I've got. Mm-hmm. and i've known well terry bywater for years as a result of mm-hmm. uh, jumping on the team bus um god it's a long time ago <laughs> uh, what <laughs> week 14 years, 14 years ago nearly 15 yeah. years ago but they can joke around with people and say oh i think they got i think they got beaten by the australians in the semi-final." so mm-hmm. i happened to be with some australians athletes and it's like no james you can get on the bus but they can't. But they were obviously joking. It's like, well, we can't step yeah. back to the village if if you have no other means of knowing how to get back to the, mm-hmm. to the village uh, because you've come on team transport anyway. Of mm-hmm. uh, be it, it was a sp- spectator bus as opposed to, to yeah. your guys's one. But I thought I'd throw that in to kind of give you. Uh, 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 as well, and and the audience listening obviously, those are things that could go wrong. In that, you don't, you don't don't ever, ever, I don't think you'd ever prepare for a a drink Mm -hmm. to sabotage your games. No, you can can never really, yeah. And especially if you were an individual sport, that's catastrophic. Oh, for sure, yeah. If you were in a team sport, you hope it's not maybe more than two three I think it, it affected the lineup for sure but I don't think they would have said it would have any bearing on the the, the outcome of the match med- I'd have probably liked the the, the bronze medal match have been a bit closer. I think the GB won it by 20 points in the end and obviously mm. all guys' context uh contests after that and I've been a lot a lot lot closer than that I've been mm. a couple of points here or there yeah so what does the future hold for you then brian in terms of what 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 is the the next step because obviously you've got very large family now um so Mm -hmm. very family is very um you can see that from social media very important to you Mm. what what do you see possible because you from international perspective the only thing missing is world champs because you've won Mm. uh the your continental championship you won the paralympics is that the only thing that missing or you just want to be able to have a legacy of of continuing on that that triumph that uh, triumphant um well how would I describe it because like trium- you've got an unblemished Paralympic record not a lot of people can say that
1: yeah yeah that's true a lot of people's like so are you going to be done and I was like well I'm fairly I'm fairly young still and unfortunately like, we're not, we don't have the strongest um, kind of talent pool coming up right now so I feel like I need to stay around as long as I am needed I would say You know, even if these next couple of years, it might be kind of a struggle, um, kind of rebuilding period a little bit, but still, I'm going to stick around, do um, do as best as I can, um, especially with some of the guys that stayed around um, after Tokyo, um, for them, some of the younger guys, and then just try to teach the next generation up a little bit more, um, so they're more prepared down the road once they get older and more into their careers, um, but yeah, looking look right now, I'm like more thinking, you know, long terms, so like like you said, I have a, a bigger family now. So I'm more looking towards thinking about heading back to the States. Um, and this potentially being my last year, um, the kind of, you know, because at some point you have to figure out when is the best time to head back over, establish, you know, an actual place. Uh, for your kids and family so they can go to uh, school so they can have friends um you don't want to uproot them when they're you know later in school um and then they have to basically kind of do it all over again back in the state so i thought it's a good time now to go back when they're a little bit younger that they, ha- they haven't really started school or into school that much my oldest my eldest too so um yeah just thinking about that now i'm trying to because I just finished getting my MBA. So trying to figure out finding it work, um, getting more work experience so I can find a, a better job down the road, um, those type of things. So more, more adulting things. Um,
0: un- unfortunately that I have to start thinking about rather than, you know, just basketball all the time. Do you think it's a challenge then to, to go back from a, to be selfish to a certain extent from a, from a basketball perspective? Because, there's always been talk of a professional league Mm -hmm. in the us but it's never actually materialized Mm -hmm. yeah i would love for it
1: too um i'd definitely be one of the first ones to sign up but i just it's just so hard to kind of have the right people to like go out and get the right sponsors i would say and we also have way too many competing sports um, in the U.S. to compete with compared to like over here in Europe. Like, martial basketball is like the fourth, maybe fifth, you know, sport in Germany, I would say. It's, it's pretty cl- high up there in terms of, you know, being a professional sport. You know, there's a course that's, there. Um, there's football, um, and then maybe I don't know handball next, and then maybe professional able-bodied basketball, and then maybe us type of thing. But, you know, in the U.S., it's like 20 different other sports that's way ahead of us uh, in terms of uh, priority. So it's just kind of an uphill battle. It's definitely getting better in terms of, you know, having people realize our support is something to kind of invest in. Um, but I don't see it happening, you know, in the near future. Maybe, hopefully, maybe five years from now. But it's, if we have the right people backing us, having the right people to kind of go out um, and kind of spread the word of our sport, then maybe it'll happen soon, but I just don't see it happening um, right now or in a couple of years from now.
0: So love for it, but no. You mentioned a good thing that I, I saw on your Instagram of, of your jersey with Toyota on it. What what mm. what does their, oh, you can't fault them as a company uh, in mm. terms of worldwide uh, of endorsement mm. of, of Paralympic sport. What does it, bring to have I'm assuming it's Toyota USA that's obviously back the national mm. team what does it bring to have that sort of pizzazz of a multi, multinational company to back uh, uh, your program it
1: definitely helps tremendously and, and kind of like you touched on they kind of been a kind of a big uh, part in the movement of Paralympic sports they've been having different athletes in different types of sports that they've they've been sponsoring. Um, They definitely have one of our players, Steve, um, that they sponsored. So they're definitely trying to get more kind of athletes to kind of showcase their sports and have the world, you know, get to know their sports as well. So that helps tremendously for sure, because Toyota is such a big company and all the other companies, you know, will see that that. So you are to see some type of you know good investment into it so maybe i should do it as well so it's definitely a, a good place um and a good um, stepping in the right place on the right um direction to help us um to get more sponsors to maybe potentially get another league um that's more a little bit more professional than the ones we had previous um uh, with like d1 and stuff so i'm definitely, definitely hoping that it, it works out, but um yeah, it just, it takes a lot of moving pieces that,
0: you know, we don't necessarily you know, have a lot right now. So. So if we rewind back slightly and we talk about Tokyo again, what was it like to finally mm-hmm. have the same jersey as Team USA basketball?
1: That was, that was really a, a really amazing. I would say a lot of us were were so amazed that we were able to get it. Uh, we were so hyped for it. Um, it was just kind of extra motivation to be able to, you know, wear the same jersey as the wadi for sure. Um, and, and this is the biggest thing life for, for years now, even like before Rio, we were just wondering why, you know, we haven't been under the same umbrella as USA basketball when we are USA basketball. Um, and that's more of I don't really know the exact details, but this is previous ownership of our governing body, you know, having issues with USA basketball. Like maybe some of the things that like they're requesting or asking of, you know, the NBA, I don't know. I don't know the full extent of it. I know we are now um, working to kind of, you know, kind of rebuild those bridges that were maybe potentially burnt um, back then. So it's definitely looking good for in the future in terms of being able to be underneath the same umbrella as USA Basketball with the
0: able-bodied team, for sure. Would you ever like to see your jersey on sale then, as a nationwide then? Because ultimately you've, you've done exactly as your able-bodied counterparts mm. in Tokyo winning gold. Ultimately theirs is pretty much okay the women's almost guaranteed. The men, mm-hmm. be, pretty, close. I don't, yeah. be pretty close. Pretty close. Even though sometimes. I don't sound American, obviously I am yeah. like, <laughs> luxury. But I was a little bit skeptical when they lost the French. It's like, okay, yeah, maybe because cool. yeah. we're going down to. It's no discredit to the individuals that were there. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's not. It's not no. the first calibre team that you would ideally would like to send to mm-hmm. an Olympics. Thus. If you've got LeBron, well, if you mm-hmm. probably the best probably team of late was probably the one in the Beijing, Kobe. Yeah. Yeah. That he, team he, yeah. was pretty much all star one to 10 mm-hmm. The others yeah, gonna, you, the other teams are gonna yeah. have to have a an amazing game mm-hmm. to win. Okay, the Spanish managed to do it, but mm-hmm. they did they still come up second best. But obviously for for when we talk about well, your basketball. Mm-hmm. Pretty much one to five on any given day could win a to- could win a tournament, or would you say less?
1: Uh, it just
0: depends,
1: but there's a good chance. Yes, I would say maybe, yeah,
0: maybe three to yeah, maybe three of
1: out of five, maybe.
0: Because I didn't see um, you guys losing to GB in the pool stages, based on what happened to having a head coach yeah guys having to step up into the role of being coach obviously yeah. that's created political debate over here mm-hmm. to kind mm-hmm. of go well if he's having to make all the decisions can he yeah, then can. play and then yeah. does, does it make it more difficult from a tactical position which mm-hmm. as a player is probably very difficult because you you've Probably got to put your ego to to side to be able to make the right decisions for the betterment of the team. So for them to beat you guys in the way that they did, I I was very surprised. When obviously that's the Germans, Mm -hmm. uh, so there was results coming. I was like, well, I didn't expect that. Mm -hmm. And then obviously the the progression that you guys made through the pool, I was like, well, okay. Yeah. There is a there is a chance for the Japanese to have the fairy tale thing happen yeah. and they win the whole thing. Okay, that would yeah. probably be for the um how would I describe it? If you were like to make a Disney story, that would yeah, end up sure. who would yeah. win. It's like, okay, they've mm-hmm. come never meddled before to win mm-hmm. the whole thing in their back door. It's pretty mm-hmm. much pretty much what you like to see of anybody that gets the opportunity to compete on home soil Of they mm-hmm. rise to the occasion obviously for the majority of people it crushes them because it's mm-hmm. like well mm-hmm. i'm in the media spotlight and i don't like mm-hmm. this thus mm-hmm. i only can think of one athlete it happened to the one of the uh, brazilian sprinters that beat oscar pastores and then he got mm-hmm. massively overweight and then didn't perform in in rio but mm-hmm for the majority most people would massively embrace the the, 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 the bipartisan crowd they're going to get mm-hmm. thus they're going to use that to go forward so for you guys to, to to win it in spite of your setback it was the, the goal that was the mission of mm-hmm. bringing home the gold and obviously you delivered yeah it's definitely definitely challenging especially you know it being postponed a year
1: Uh, most people were already planning their lives after that you know so they basically have to postpone the part of their life um a year later um so they can still compete in it um and then yeah, just going into it you know we didn't get together as much because you know we had to make sure people got vaccinated this and that make sure people were you know doing the right steps so it's definitely, but it was that way for all the teams. Um, so I, we can't use that as an excuse because all of the teams have to do the same thing that we had to do in terms of, you know, getting people together, being safe, have all these extra rules in place. Um, you know, having many basically like bubbles uh, because you don't want your players being exposed to certain people outside of the sport um, leading up to Tokyo. So there's so many different factors um, that was in it. So that's what we thought like this this time was it wasn't like real wasn't guaranteed. But I know, we knew that we were potentially one of the favorites to win it, but it wasn't guaranteed. Uh, we really had to you know earn it, and prove it. But this one, we know everyone was going for us, you know, because we won previous. Um, everyone's going to catch up uh, and be able to, you know, play at the same level the whole time with us, no matter what. And it showed, like it was a bunch of close games doing um, the Tokyo, Tokyo run. Uh, we had a close game against, you know, GE of course, and lost, we had a close game against Germany to start off. Uh, we had a fairly close game, a little bit against Turkey. So it was a lot of those teams that, you know, are, were kind of improved from the last thing and caught up. And and it was close, the same thing. Japan, you know, was the same boat. They've known to lose, you know, big games and then they perform, they were able to be a very strong GB to, to get into the final. So you just, with stuff like this happens, like it kind of evens the playing field. It was kind of almost because everyone's doing the same thing. Everyone has to follow the same rules. There's no extra um, stuff that they can do to kind of, you know, help to prepare. Like they all have to quarantine. They all have to do mini bubbles. They all have to do this. Um, the same, so it was definitely it was definitely interesting, definitely frustrating, especially being in a little bubble in Tokyo. But um, definitely um, well worth it in terms of keeping everyone safe and in terms of um, Tokyo's overall operation. There wasn't as many, you know, positive cases compared to like the Olympics. Um, so that was excellent news and excellent job on that part for sure. And then also to be able to come on top like you mentioned, in the end, uh, through all, everything's going on, so.
0: So would you not like to hang on until LA then? <laughs> oh, man, just thinking about that makes me feel old. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I potentially might, since it is in the, you know, in the backyard. It's just right there, but I, I don't know. It's but I'll just have to wait and see. Oh no, no, it's yeah. less than that now, isn't it? It's six years, like six, six and a half, or six and a quarter, yeah. But I will just have to wait and see. Um, I will hope that there's some up and coming players that you know will take my spot, spot, you know, by force, and then being able to kind of spur on the next generation. But um, if they need me to stay, I already told them that I'll uh, I'll do as much as I am needed to do. Uh, in terms of staying with the team and uh, contributing, so so pa- Paris is very much on the cards. Then Paris is definitely for sure right now. Yes, uh, LA it's still up in the air. More, most likely not, but it's still up in the air. Um, but so, Paris is definitely a go.
0: So if I had to press you, Brian, for LA, mm-hmm. heart of hearts, this is head mm-hmm. of this is heart over head now. Okay, would you rather be? Competing or a spectator? That is a great question. I can watch
1: basketball and enjoy and heckle people while drinking a beer or something. That'd be amazing. Um, but I'll still probably prefer to play if I am capable of playing and still at a high level. Then I will still probably prefer to play. It's just nothing like you know being a part of the games and experiencing that. Um, but, you know, again, it would be pretty easy and convenient to just kind of come and expectate a few games and an easy, you know, two, three-hour flight back home to wherever I am um, later on. But, again, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it plays out down the road, make sure that my health down the road is still good, um, my body is still functioning the way it needs to be, um, you know, because age kind of catches up with you. You, you never know what's going to happen down the road terms of accidents or fall down and break something so basically just hoping that i have good health and if it all goes according to plan then maybe i'll be be in la so
0: you you, you're tempted fate there with injuries and things like that obviously that doesn't happen has there any been other than the amputation Mm -hmm. any injuries that's not that as kind of um Held held you out of of the game for a pretty long period of time actually
1: no i haven't really had any injuries that's kind of my my uh neck is being able to you know have high levels of energy and then not really getting injured hardly ever Um, it's kind of basically my my trademark i would say for many years yeah, I haven't really had any issues. I know in college, like, I hit my elbow on someone else's chair and just got, like, a basically a cut so I didn't get stitches. But I didn't miss any games from it. You know, like, I was able to play maybe two days later in practice type of thing. So it wasn't that big of an issue. Uh, but, yeah, I try to play as much as I can. I rarely even miss practice. You can probably ask anyone how many times this Brian Asher miss practice or miss camps, it's probably hardly ever. Um, I just try to, you know, as much as possible maintain my body um, at a high level, you know, even with, you know, age creeping in more and more and more. Um, just understanding, oh, maybe I'm not as young as I need to be. Maybe I need the ice a little bit more. You know, maybe I need to stretch the extra five, 10 minutes more than I normally would um, a couple of years uh, ago. So, just understanding my body as I progress, you know, later and later in my career will help. I, I don't know if I'm trying to pull like a LeBron, you know, I'm not trying to be at a high level for 19 seasons. I'm not doing that. But, you know, I'm mean, trying to maintain you a know, good enough um, aspect of nutrition and body prep and stuff
0: um, as long as I play. When you mentioned practice, I immediately thought of Alan Iverson's comment. Oh
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Other than that was obviously more serious than mm-hmm. practice itself when yeah. he lost somebody that was close to him. Mm-hmm. When you think of that, obviously practice is no big big deal in terms of somebody's life. And then mm-hmm. game, you probably I'd probably give him a bit of a break, cause like mm-hmm. he was the he was the seventy franchise for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, for a long time, yeah. So that being said, Brian, what was it like for you to have a little break then in your season? Because obviously the Euro- Euro- Europeans were postponed a mm-hmm. year. What was it like mm-hmm. to have a little bit of an um, impromptu break in, the, in, in your domestic season?
1: Um, it, it wasn't too bad. Um, I didn't 100% like it because we also didn't have anything with USA basketball either. And we normally have, like, a training camp or even, like, a tryout or something in January, and we didn't even have that. So, it's was basically, basically, it's, like, no motivation to do anything, which I really don't like. I like kind of looking forward to, to like, things like tryouts or, you know, a game. Like, the past couple years, we had a game up until, I think, like, December 20th or 22nd or something. And then we had tryouts in January, like, 1st. So it was just such a small window, like I had to constantly train. Like right here, I just felt this break. There was just so much time and break that, yeah, it's good, but I didn't like it as much. I wanted to still train. I wanted to still compete. Um, so it was, it was definitely hard at the beginning to kind of self-motivate when I know there's nothing coming up for like a month and a half type of thing. Um, but So I did give myself a break like the first week, maybe a week or so in the break. And then after that, then I got back into kind of the normal swing of things, going to training, going to lifting um, three times a week at least, stuff like that. Um, But, yeah, I just – I don't like breaks. I prefer if I can train at least, you know, three to four times a week, I do that rather than not doing anything
0: at all. So So do you have a hard time to to give yourself that space? And does it have to be – kind of mandated it down as you need to take a we're telling you as an organization take mm-hmm. some time off
1: i definitely definitely from coach here I definitely from you know even my wife is like you should take some time off you know you do basketball 24 7 like the whole year round Like you should take some time off yeah i don't want to uh but you know ultimately they are right you know you need you definitely need to take more breaks um uh, to more kind of refocus and use the time. Use most of the time. I kind of use training for my national team as kind of a break, because it's you know different sets of people, different sets of players uh, with different you know tendencies compared to your team um, over here in Germany. So I, I kind of consider that as a, as a break almost, because I'm kind of refocusing the way I think in terms of how I perform with my national team compared to with my club team. Um, so the completely like. Focus and not do anything or do less. It was definitely challenging, um, but I I did try my best to not do as much, especially like I said early on. Um, and it was definitely a nice break. Uh, I was able to hang out with family more. I was able to do stuff with them more, um, which I haven't been able to do as much because I'm so busy training and doing um, things like that in terms of getting ready to comp- compete. So it was definitely nice um, and it was a, a good break for sure. And I do uh, I would appreciate taking it um, and having people encourage me to take it.
0: I appreciate you sharing that insight to, to, to obviously to the, the, athlete, the athlete mindset in terms of it's, it's mm-hmm. not always as people would expect. Mm-hmm. So obviously we're coming to the end of the show and... I'm going to do the last two questions I like to ask all my guests. Uh, So the first one for you, Brian, is if you got to sit down with any athlete, dead or alive for that matter, who would that be and why? Mm, Well, for the longest,
1: I've been asked this question a while, a lot. So previously it's been Kobe, um, especially now because, you know, he's passed now um just to kind of how much he's changed the game you know after michael jordan uh, kind of the mentality he put into the basically the sport of basketball um how much work he put into his craft um kind of extra inspired me especially when i was growing up and watching him play and practice and do all this stuff to kind of put you know extra effort into my craft to kind of take that next step um and be able to make a national team, to be able to, you know, be able to compete against some of the best players in the world um, and, you know, and compete with them and not be, you know, second fiddle, not be um, kind of um, trailing behind them, actually be either beating them or, or or competing with them. So it was definitely, I would say Kobe for sure, in his um, Mamba mentality for sure be the person I would like to talk to.
0: And the final question before we we sign off, if you had to summarize what we've been speaking about into one Mm -hmm. sentence for people Mm -hmm. to take away, what would that be?
1: I would say the summary would be, no matter where you start um, in life, if you want to go into a sport, um, you find something that you are passionate about um, and you want to... 100% 100 give complete effort to it. You can make it to the highest stage no matter what. Um, so looking back, I was just a kid with very high goals, high achievements. Not really thinking that it's going to come up much, but still had them. And now, two-time gold medalist, um, have won countless high um, achievements at, over in Europe at a professional level. Um, you know, have a bachelor's degree, master's degree. Uh, loving family so even though those traumatic things in life happens you can still bring very good and um, positive things from those things and you can live your life um, you can play a sport you
0: love you can do anything you want in life um, and that's my take from my conversation so once again Brian thanks again for coming on the Mindset Athlete podcast thanks for having me I appreciate it in my pleasure. Thanks again for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed this episode and got loads from it. Anything that was included and discussed will be available in the show notes below. And I would love to hear from you. Come and connect and ask your questions. I've been James Roberts from JamesOwenRoberts.com. Remember this quote by Chris Hoth. "An athlete is a mindset. It's how you prepare, think, and execute." not by some elite status or physical stature. Anybody can be an athlete.